reminder, this will be recorded and then the video and transcripts will be available at the end um, within a few days on the Center for Psychiatric Rehabilitation's website. My name is Alexa Trolley Hansen, and I am an occupational therapist and a doctoral student at the Center for Psychiatric Rehabilitation at Boston University. And I am the moderator for today's Making Sense of Employment Research webinar. The webinar is funded by the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research. The webinar content does not represent the views or policies of the funding agency, and you should not assume endorsement by the federal government. I'd also like to acknowledge that the territory on which BU stands is that of the Wapanag and Massachusetts people, and we honor and respect the history and current efforts of Native Indigenous communities. This webinar is being recorded, and just so you know, again, closed captioning is on. We ask that you keep yourselves on mute during the presentation, and we're going to allow Dr. Ostro to share her um, work with us, and then um, we will have a question and answer session at the end. If you have a question during the presentation, please post your question in the chat box and I will post them in the order that they came in at the end. Also, if you have um, any um, questions about a slide or any um, thing that's not clear, you can also chat that in the box and I'll make sure that uh, we can pause and, and clarify those things as we move along. I would like to welcome Dr. Leisha Ostro, who is presenting research from her article, Supporting Business Owners with Psychiatric Disabilities, an Exploratory Analysis of Challenges and Support. Dr. Ostro is the founder and CEO of Live and Learn Incorporated, and is the principal investigator on two federally funded field-initiated grants, the Certified Peer Specialist Outcome Study and the Reclaiming Employment. Dr. Ostro, has lived experience with special education, social security disability, and psychiatric systems, and is driven by a mission to improve these systems through research that advances the use of evidence-based practices in real-world settings. We are so excited to hear from you. Welcome, Dr. Ostro. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm gonna go ahead and share my slides. Okay. This, this is a nice format because usually with these webinars, it's like you can only, you're just talking to a screen version of yourself and you can't see anybody else. So thanks to those of you who have your cameras on. Um, so as Alexis said, I'll be talking about an article published in 2021, um, which uh, that project now seems very far away. Um, uh, this work was also funded by Nidler. Um, this, the survey that I'm going to be discussing was funded under a Switzer Research Fellowship Grant, and then our work is continuing um, through the Reclaiming Employment Project, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the end. Um, so first of all, I'm the CEO of Live and Learn, which uh, is a social enterprise based in California that conducts research and development, consulting, and knowledge translation. Um, and we do projects that generate and disseminate actionable information related to peer support, workforce development, program implementation, and service user experiences. Uh, and in particular, we specialize in the inclusion of people who have personally struggled with their mental health in creating partnerships with community members, service users, and behavioral health researchers to conduct these projects. Um, and we are based in beautiful downtown Morro Bay, California, with a view of the Pacific. Um, 
So a uh, little overview of what I'm going to be discussing today. Um, first, I'll give a definition of self-employment as it pertains to people with disabilities. Talk about the self-employment starts with you survey. Um, that was where we got the data for this paper, um, specifically focusing on findings related to the challenges and supports that the business owners faced. Um, highlight some conclusions from the paper, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about how that led to creating a program of community support for business owners, and then we can move into questions and discussion. So what is self-employment? So self-employment is sometimes differentiated from entrepreneurship, although um, I've been working on a paper for about four years now to highlight these differences and discuss them, and it's not gone anywhere, so take from that what you will. So self-employment we've defined as individuals who work for themselves, either as an unincorporated sole proprietor or through ownership of a business. Um, and uh, one way you could think about this in some cases is that it's an alternative to wage employment. It creates at least one job, and that's a job for the owner. Entrepreneurship, on the other hand, is usually defined as being focused on innovation and growth um, by bringing new ideas, businesses, or ventures to the market. Um, and some other researchers who uh, study self-employment and disabilities have talked about entrepreneurship um, as a poverty alleviation strategy by creating, potentially creating jobs for other people with disabilities. Um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics um, in 2016, I think this statistic comes from, predicted that self-employment um, would increase to 10.3 million by 2026 with the pandemic, that estimate is probably even higher now. Mm -hmm. um, and overall rates of self-employment tend to be higher among individuals with disabilities. So 10.3% of uh, workers with disabilities are self-employed versus 6.1% of the general population. So there's really an opportunity here to help these workers grow their businesses. So the self-employment starts with you survey. Um, was based on existing business entrepreneurship and disability surveys to inf gather information about micro businesses and their owners. So micro businesses are defined usually as um, a business that has five or fewer employees, including the owner. We ask questions about business operations, the challenges that they face, and the strategies and supports that they had used to get through those challenges. The survey was conducted in 2017, um, and 60 business owners with a psychiatric history participated. Um, so I wanted to give a word of caution. Um, so this survey was cross-sectional, which means that the data were collected at one time point, and so it's not possible to say whether the associations between the variables that I'm going to be discussing were, um, were caused by one another or even what preceded something else. Um, there's certainly some sampling bias here because people volunteered for the survey and were recruited on social media. So we can't necessarily generalize to the population of business owners with psychiatric histories, and nor do we even know what that population is because of limitations in um, federal surveys of business owners. Um, there's probably some measurement error. Uh, so not all the questions in the survey were validated. They were created by an advisory group that helped me, although we tried to use questions that are used in other surveys, um, both for validity and reliability, but also um, to be able to compare some of the data. But we did conduct survey testing first. Um, so 83% of the participants identified as female, 83% um, identified as white. So you're starting to see some of the sampling bias here. 47% um, were over age 54. So it was an older group. 
Um, 68% of these businesses reported that they provide a service or product that helps their peers, so other people with disabilities. 88% um, were operating a home-based business and 60% were unincorporated. And I think like maybe 25% had a corporation and um, or an LLC. And then uh, we did include some commercial nonprofits. So in terms of the revenue that they generated in 2016, the year immediately preceding the survey, um, you can see that these are smaller businesses. So we had the advisory group recommended that I add categories at the lower end of the spectrum, anticipating that a lot of these businesses would be smaller for one reason or another, and that was the case. Um, so if you look compared to the U.S. Census Bureau, which collects data on small businesses across the U.S. and the general population, um, you can see that they tend to be much larger. Um, and in our survey, more than half reported that their business earnings made up less than half of their personal income. So they were getting income from other sources, either another job um, or disability benefits, veterans benefits, or their families. Um, so we defined the eligibility for this survey, either they had to have reported using behavioral health services or receiving disability benefits and accommodations on the basis of a psychiatric disability. Um, so when we asked them specifically about service use, um, the vast majority, almost all of them had used outpatient mental health services and then smaller percentages in inpatient settings um, for either mental health or substance use. And then about a third, quarter to a third, had received accommodations or disability benefits. Um, I wanted to share some comments from the people in this study just to give it a human angle and to give us a break from some of the graphs. Um, so one person said, I was told don't have huge expectations for your life. Keep your goals very small or realistic. Otherwise, you'll, tr you'll trigger your illness. And a lot of you on this call, I'm sure, either have personal experience with mental health problems or work with people who do. And I can say personally that this is a message that I also received. Um, another person said bureaucratic things can be just overwhelming and intimidating, particularly if you have dealt with bureaucratic things in the psych system that have been just awful. And I think this comment is really important and you'll see it reflected in, in some of the results that I'm gonna share about bureaucracy and institutions. Someone else said, it's not just, oh, I'm my own boss and I answer only to me. That also means you have to answer about your finances, you have to answer for your healthcare, you have to answer for dealing with other people. And another person said, one of my biggest fears is that while transitioning from disability income to earned income, they will remove my disability determination, but the freedom to make my own schedule and pursue my passions is the greatest contributor to my wellness. So um, about 60% reported that they had um, experienced at some point some uh, employment discrimination, only 13% that they had never said that they had never experienced employment discrimination. And similarly, about 55% had experienced some discrimination in education. So we're talking about people who have had um, significant barriers to work. And um, this is actually, these data um, were reported in a separate paper. That's not the paper we're discussing today, but um, we also have, um, I think it's in this one, or it possibly is in the previous paper, um, specific negative experiences that um, people had at work in terms of discrimination. Um, and a lot of them are related to negative attitudes from their supervisors or their coworkers. Um, a national poll in 2013 found that only 28% of Americans are willing to have a person with a psychiatric disability as a coworker. Um, so uh, you can kind of start to see the motivations for working for yourself in these data. 
In terms of the challenges that the business owners uh, reported facing, um, these are the, the top issues. This list is actually quite long, but I'm sure presenting the top ones here. So business finances, um, personal and family issues, having a lack of basic business knowledge. Um, those were the top three. Uh, filing and paying taxes, having access to the training education that they needed, and having legal missteps. Um, we asked them about the supports that they had received. So the way that you want to read this graph is the purple bars are the supports that they used and found helpful. And then the orange bars are the supports that they used and didn't find helpful. And then the grayed out bits are supports that they didn't use. So you can see at the top here, um, getting support from other self-employed individuals, friends, online education, business mentoring, self-employed, uh, individuals with psychiatric histories and financial experts were the top access supports and also found the most helpful. Um, and then interestingly, at the bottom here, the least access, least helpful supports were things like a business owner course, legal expert, small business development center, SCORE, vocational rehabilitation, and the one-stop job shop. Um, so the division here really came out to sort of what we called informal interpersonal supports. Um, so things that can be more individually tailored, like talking to other individuals or friends or a mentor. Um, and then at the bottom, we kind of generally categorize these supports as more institutional supports. And if you think about that comment from the participant at the beginning about, you know, having faced bureaucratic challenges and, you know, when you say bureaucratic challenges, it sounds so cut and dry, but actually well, I can speak from my own personal experience here and say that those institutional challenges can be really traumatic and really stressful. And so having to face that again, you know, how to access institutions, how are people going to understand you there? What kind of paperwork do you have to go through? Things like that can actually be quite a challenge. Um, but despite the challenges, um, we saw overall pretty high levels of personal satisfaction from running a business. Of course, a lot of you work in healthcare research or healthcare quality and know that satisfaction measures are usually biased um, positively. Um, so when you compare that to personal satisfaction on a 10 point scale used um, to measure the general population, you can kind of see a similar distribution, although there's a lot a lot higher orange bar here than, um, than the green one, which is our survey. But overall, we had a mean of, of eight on a 10 point scale in terms of satisfaction. Um, when we uh, did some cross-tabulation of the data, we didn't find that satisfaction was related to their revenue or the percent of the personal income that they got from the business, um, but it was related to the um, either personal older age or, um, or having a business that was older. They were more satisfied, um, and people who reported a lack of business knowledge were less satisfied with running a business. So then we looked at the relationship between some of the outcomes, um, including um, revenue and satisfaction with challenges and supports. Um, so I wanted to reiterate that, you know, you can't necessarily infer from this that one thing caused another because it was cross-sectional, but we do see these associations. So um, people who had a business revenue um, in 2016 of greater than $10,000, um, more of them uh, faced legal challenges, or you could say people who have faced legal challenges um, had a higher business revenue um, 
that and, and the next item, uh, the next two actually financial expert, using a financial expert for support or employees, um, those folks tended to have a higher business revenue, which makes sense because you have more legal financial um, challenges when you have a higher revenue and also are more likely to have employees. Um, in terms of the age, um, we found that um, people who reported using SCORE had tended to have an older business and same with the one-stop center. Um, and people with a younger business were more likely to um, use self-employed peers or other people with lived experience um, for their support. And then in terms of satisfaction, um, again, lack of business knowledge was associated with lower satisfaction um, using the Small Business Development Center, SBDC. These are um, small business administration funded centers in every community that provide free support to, um, to business owners. They tended to be less satisfied and um, similarly with people who took a business course. And then there's something here that is Zoom bars hiding up. Ah. And people who had used a coach or mentor um, also reported being less satisfied. Um, so many of our participants had challenges around business basics. Um, as I said, they more often used informal or interpersonal supports, and especially in response to specific challenges with business basics. So we found an association between reporting specific challenges and using those uh, informal supports for those. Um, and businesses older than five years use fewer informal supports and were more likely to access those institutional supports. So perhaps once someone is more established, they feel more comfortable in their business for whatever reason, they have more access to institutional supports like the SBDC. Um, so, the institutional supports overall were used less frequently and less helpful. Those were the SBDC, a coach, or a course, um, and uh, were associated with less satisfaction. Um, so when I went and looked into the um, reports that the, the SBDC is required to report to the Small Business Administration, they ask about a lot of different demographics, um, you know, gender, race, things like that veteran status, but they don't ask about disability status. So we have no way of knowing. There's no, this isn't being measured by the small business development side. They're not asking clients with disabilities whether they're satisfied with their services. I mean, they are asking them because they're using these services, but we don't, we can't look at that data. Um, they were, uh, participants were more likely to use SCORE for financing challenges. Um, and to access vocational rehabilitation for personal challenges. And personal challenges could include, you know, like negotiating that line that that participant was talking about between, you know, your earned income and your and your benefits. And I'm sure you're all familiar with that dance that um, people have to go through so that they don't lose their benefits and their health insurance. Um, I always put success in, in quotation marks. Um, so satisfaction is one measure of success. Uh, it was pretty high in the sample, um, although not tied to expected reasons. You know, you think, oh, if you're making a lot of money, then you must be really satisfied, but that wasn't what we found. Um, so suggest, as always, is subjective. And, you know, I think for this group, um, given the challenges that they faced in the workplace, um, experiencing autonomy and balance after, after those experiences, that is, that's enough, that's success. Um, so we found that self-employment can be satisfying and people need support to get there. Um, 
The Bureau of Labor Statistics has found since at least the 1990s that about 45% of new businesses fail in the first five years. So again, we're seeing that division sort of at five or six years um, where something shifts, you know, in those first five years can be really difficult. Um, and especially for people who have experienced challenges around employment. And this group really seems to rely on their personal networks for help, either because for some reason they have less access to institutional supports or less trust. Um, you know, and so we haven't really disentangled that relationship. Um, so based on this research, um, we then developed um, an idea for creating some of that community support that's tailored to these business owners. And I'm gonna go through a little bit of that now. We're in the midst of that project at the moment. Um, so it's called Reclaiming Employment. Um, and it offers self-employment education and support for people with mental health challenges around work. Um, we offer, this is a, a virtual platform where we offer um, self-directed applied asynchronous courses. I'm gonna talk a little bit about those a vetted resource library, um, and a moderated mutual support network. So it's an interactive virtual platform. My team is largely made up of people who experience mental health re related challenges around work who developed this platform. And our, our goal is to prepare users for the, both the logistics and the emotional ups and downs of business ownership. And I think some of that emotional piece is probably what's not being addressed in those institutional supports. Um, so we have tried to design a platform that is using universal design, um, compliant with accessibility guidelines, offering multiple means of action engagement, you know, through our three different offerings. Um, and we're currently in the midst of a nine month research trial with a, a 97 test users. So this is our inaugural group. Um, you know, and as they say in Silicon Valley, or they used to say, you know, launch early and often. So, um, you know, it's certainly a humbling experience. This is my first foray into intervention development and research um, and evaluation. So um, I'm excited to see the results. Um, so 39% of the users that are enrolled in the trial uh, reported at baseline that they were currently self-employed. We have broken down self-employment into five stages. So, so just exploring group, that's 5% of our users are people who maybe aren't interested in self-employment, maybe they're looking to get back in the workforce from disability or unemployment. Um, and this is one option that they're just exploring. Then we have the aspiring group who haven't started a business, but are looking to do that. That's 30% of our users. 15% who are committed to starting a business um, and are in the planning stage. 45% who already have a business and um, consider themselves to be managing and maintaining that business. And then 5% who are looking to scale up their business. Um, so like I said, we have asynchronous courses. Here's a sampling of some of the ones we have live, live now. We have a course on the key questions that you should be asking when you're starting a business that relates to some things like um, what corporate structure should you use? Are you gonna need legal and, and financial help? Uh, we have a course on developing your vision and mission statement. Um, we have a course on uh, preventing burnout and self-employment. A course on building blocks for communication, how to use communication strategies at work and business. Um, we have a couple courses on managing your tasks and your time. Um, and then we have an in-depth, very extensive course on um, using social security benefits and work incentives to start a business. Um, 
So this is a screenshot of our resource library. Obviously, we have more than five um, things, but you can see that we have crawled the internet um, and found resources and then categorized them by either the type of resource. So that's like an article versus a podcast versus a video, the category that they're in, um, the topic that the resource addresses. Then we have categorized them by the stage of self-employment, those five stages that I talked about. Um, and then we've tried to get everything that only think, post things that are freely available, but some things do have a paywall and we flagged that. Um, this is a screenshot of the community forum. So we have a number of different groups. Um, some are related to the stage that people are at or different demographic groups. So we have a group specifically for um, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Um, and then we have a, a group for each of the courses. Um, so we got a little bit more finely grained in terms of um, asking users about their mental health related challenges around work. So all of our users reported at baseline that they've used mental health or substance use treatment. 72% um, have experienced burnout, um, according to the World Health Organization definition. 70% have experienced psychological trauma that interfered with their ability to work. 44% have gotten disability benefits for a psychiatric diagnosis. 42% have used workplace accommodations for a disability. 31% identify as neurodiverse. And 26% have experienced a COVID-19 related mental health disruption. Um, we did, I've worked hard to improve our demographics. Um, so, in this sample, 31% identified as Black or African-American, 2% is Asian, 12% is multiracial, and 4% is something else. So there's still about half the users that are white. 11% um, identified as Hispanic or Latinx. Um, and the age range still tends to be on the older side, although that's not that unusual when you're talking about people who are starting a business. And they say the best time to start a business is in your 40s. Um, but we have a good range from 22 to 74 years old. So we have some folks that are past the traditional retirement age, although I don't think that really exists in the United States anymore, um, and are working into their 70s. Um, we asked them about their challenges. This is sort of interesting because it basically breaks down to what we saw in the other survey um, with uh, finances, lack of knowledge, um, you know, the legal missteps is there as well. Um, in terms of their sources of support that they had used before joining the Reclaiming Employment Platform, Again, these are the same things that we saw in the other survey. So that's somewhat encouraging for me in terms of measurement error that, um, that this group is, is mimicking the other group that was surveyed. Um, and then these bars, the, the orange, are what they found helpful. And again, um, these are also the supports that they found helpful. Um, we have improved our measure of life satisfaction. So we're using a measure now that asks um, more specifically in domains of um, their financial satisfaction, how they experience um, time pressure at work, their emotional well-being, um, their emotional well-being at work, um, and their emotional well-being off work, and then a general life satisfaction. Um, and then our main outcome measure is looking at entrepreneurial self-efficacy. Um, so this is a questionnaire that um, measures five different domains and how confident that the person feels in terms of their business. So it asks about um, developing their idea, their planning activities to convert the idea into a business, marshalling resources, um, implementing things with other people, 
most of um, the people in our sample don't, that's not applicable because they're not employing other people and then implementing financial plans. Um, so uh, these are not stages, but sort of, you know, everyone answers all of these questions. And what we're hoping to see is that by the end of the trial, that all of these have improved or they've improved in specific ways. And, um, and then we can draw some conclusions from that and hopefully improve the platform in the future. Um, so I am going to be working on writing a business plan for reclaiming employment. Um, so the benefits for end users, we, we hope are that it helps them attain their goals, um, advance their careers and something that is blocked, um, and improve self-determination. Um, we're also hoping to see benefits for other stakeholders, including providing access to support tools that are tailored to self-employment and mental health, because this isn't an area that exists. There are supports for helping people get jobs, you know, through vocational rehabilitation, um, and they generally don't have a lot of expertise um, in self-employment. Very few people with disabilities, especially psychiatric disabilities who access vocational rehabilitation, um, end up, they, their case is closed in self-employment. Um, and then, of course, as we've talked about, you know, there's a lot of resources available to help small business owners, but they're not really tailored to mental people with mental health challenges. So um, I'm hoping this can expand services available and ultimately contribute to economic growth um, and help start small businesses that can employ other people with disabilities. Hopefully I didn't talk too fast. Um, and I think we can move into questions now. And if you have questions afterwards, you can email me. Um, we're on social media, but I personally am not. <laughs> Thank you so much for your presentation. I just um, want to open it up now for questions. Um, if you have any questions, if you could type them into the chat or you could um, raise your hand with the little reactions button at the bottom. Um, and then I will call on you and you can unmute yourself and ask your question if you prefer to do it that way. Um, I want to give people the opportunity to collect their thoughts. I thought I um, am just in awe of the work that you've done in this area in terms of identifying the problem and then creating some really innovative um, resources that to meet the need that you saw. It's, I'm just really in awe of that. Um, I, I don't want to mispronounce your name, so if I do, I apologize. But Fabrizio? Yeah, thank you. Very nice work, Laisha. Very nice, very impressive. I am curious because we are working at UIC in Chicago, developing a curriculum for youth in high school. To, we are trying to help them uh, you know, learn a little bit about, you know, developing a business plan. And I was curious if you have developed a curriculum to help them develop a business plan, because we hear that it's, for some of them, it's very difficult to go through the whole process. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, um, you know, we have, well, first of all, so um, in our in our courses, we always have panelist videos of like people who can speak to the specific experiences in the course. And we have had a terrible time finding people who have actually made a business plan because we have, we're about to launch next week, a course on writing a business plan. Um, and just in writing that course, and you know, it's been a collaborative effort, but um, yeah, I think we all get stuck, first of all, at the financial section of the business plan. That part's really hard, like predicting 
your revenue and expenses when you haven't even started yet. I mean, I'm not even sure I could do that now. Um, so we don't really have a curriculum because the way that we wanted to design this was to be really like very flexible so that people can kind of go and access what makes sense to them at the time. I have no idea whether that's the right approach or not. Um, you know, I think a lot of what we've had to do as a team is, you know, base things on our own experiences. Um, and, you know, having a rigid curriculum, I think we felt, you know, that it was worth trying to have things be more flexible. So like if someone's struggling with um, communication skills, which is an issue in business and just in general, you know, they can kind of start there. But if they're ready to go for the business plan, then they can start there. Um, but I, I would be really interested in talking about the work that you're doing with you. So are you just doing focusing on the business plan? Primarily, yes. And uh, we are getting a little bit of money for the kids to start. And we want to get VR actually to buy in into continuing the process because this is a nightler grant, so it's going to end. But and I noticed that you talk about the issues with VR. Oh my God, you know, it's like it's so sad to see how often these counselors find themselves overwhelmed. Yeah. Because they have so many cases. So they don't yeah. and that's a perception that I have that they don't have the time to really help you know, the people who are pursuing this goal, because it's much more easier to for them to find a job somewhere in the community than yep. to go to the whole process of helping these people start a business. So that's problematic. And, you know, so we are talking with VR here in Illinois to see if they could invest at least, you know, the money for the startup with the kids in the schools. Yeah, I mean, I think the other issue is that business is a lot like peer support, like you have to have been there in order to help somebody else. And obviously a VR counselor is employed, you know, by an agency or by the state. So they don't have that lived experience of starting a business. Um, yeah, and then um, I forgot to mention there is there was some research done um, uh, on uh, the SBDC working with people with disabilities. And a lot of the times they, they don't wanna work with clients who have disabilities because they're not, they get measured on like how much revenue their, their clients are generating and as we saw like these businesses are much smaller people are working in them part-time for one reason or another and so they're not really like attractive clients to the sbdc and so there's you know the news there we do have another question um asking if any of the participants are service disabled or experience ptsd um yes i have that data somewhere else um so we have, we didn't do a good job on recruiting veterans. We were hoping to, we have like a, you know, an online group for them. Um, I think the problem was, I mean, I think that our recruitment of like uh, racial and ethnic diversity and gender diversity, gender identity um, improved because our team is much more diverse. Um, and so I neglected to get someone on our advisory board on our team who is a veteran. And I think, you know, I spoke to some people who work in veteran, you know, veteran services and said, you know, there's a trust issue there as there's everybody. So if we don't have a veteran on our team, um, we don't, I think we have a very small percentage that identify as veterans. We do have like, I think like 20 something percent are people who have been incarcerated but we have people on our team who work with that population and have that lived experience. So that's a lesson learned for me next time is the diversity of your team is really gonna impact the diversity of your participants. 
other questions? Oh, here we do. Um, what is your timeline on opening the reclaiming employment platform beyond the pilot group? Is there a way to be notified when it's open to the public? Yeah. Um, so as I said, I'm working on a business plan for commercialization. Our grant ends um, next August. Um, the users will be out of the platform um, in December, and then we'll have another follow-up data point in February. Uh, you know, despite my best efforts, I still identify as a researcher more than an entrepreneur, I think. And um, so I really want to know, like, how did this work for people? Did it work for people? Um, and how can we improve it before launching into a commercial space? Because I, I don't want to be selling people something that doesn't work. And I'm hoping that we have enough time between closing the trial and the grant closing to make the improvements that we need to. Um, but you can email me um, or you can go to the Live and Learn website, which I think is in the chat with the resources and sign up for our newsletter. a number of just really lovely comments in the chat um but i want to make sure that if there are any other questions um that we have the opportunity to answer them i wanted to see for another minute or so oh i wanted to acknowledge that um dr jane burke miller is is here um, and is a co-author on this paper. So thank you, Jane. And she also is working on the Reclaiming Employment Project. All right. Well, like, oh, um, just wonderful comments in here talking about how important your work is and how um, important for people in who are looking for or have those goals for self-employment but also just important in terms of being very very conscious about growing diversity within the organization but also in the recruitment of of the people and, and just really this idea of trying to reach as many people as possible and that was one of my questions is is that um being that this is an online technological program, I, I'm assuming that at some point, maybe part of your business plan will be that it could have a wider reach, right? Not just regionally, yeah. but much wider, right? Yeah, that's our hope. I mean, so yeah, we have participants from around the country now. We were only, we did get a, a number of people from um, like Canada and Australia who wanted to join. We've limited it to the US partially just because, you know, like, businesses are operating in a in a local economy and it just varies so much um, across the world. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thank you so much for sharing your work with us. Um, I just, if there are no more questions, I wanna thank everybody else for taking time out of their day and for and you, Dr. Osher, for taking your time to put together this wonderful presentation. Um, for, but for taking time out of your day to participate in this Making Sense of Employment Research webinar, the video of this presentation will be posted online at the Center for Psychiatric Rehabilitation's website in case you would like to access it later. Also, I will be emailing you all out um, a survey as well as some a link to the Live and Learn website and some other resource materials that um, Dr. Osher provided for us. And we're really hoping that you'll just take five minutes to um, fill out that really quick survey for us. It helps us um, continue to 
choose topics and find topics for this webinar series. Um, and I just really appreciate you all and all the wonderful work that you do. So please take care and have a great rest of your week. Thank you, everyone.